Hello and welcome to this podcast. And the subject of this podcast is resilience and performance. And my guest today to discuss this fascinating area is Shemi Orcott, four-time Winter Olympian, ever-popular presenter of BBC Ski Sunday and performance coach. Shemi, thank you so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure um, to have you here and particularly talk about this subject, which I know is something um, which is very close to your heart, close to your career. And, and of course, now, you know, you're looking very much at performance coaching among your many things that you uh, that you do, along with your uh, presenting on BBC. Um, so I guess the, the kickoff question, if you like, is to looking at that relationship between resilience and performance. And obviously, as a, a Olympic skier, you've had to draw on sometimes I'm get I guess huge reserves of resilience to literally pick yourself up um and get yourself back on the skis and 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 and, and back mentally as well where does that for you where does that resilience come from would you say well thank you for having me first of all and yeah I'm actually probably more known as someone who crashed a lot and came back from crashes than anything I actually achieved in the sport and sometimes I get quite bitter because of that because I did you know I won over 150 national titles and I was ranked eighth in the world but actually in terms of a life skill having learned how to pick myself up when I was at rock bottom in terms of sport you know away from my sport enforced injury funding issues to have that fight back um, has made me very proud of everything that I achieved even though I, I didn't win and it's just, you know, it's part and parcel. When you decide to become a ski racer, you have to find your limit. And actually, when I look back at my career for my eight healthiest years, um, I chose to underperform. I chose to live within my capabilities. I chose to be at 80%. I kept 20% in my back pocket so that I had um, self-verification why I wasn't winning. And And the issue there was, I was the best in Britain at skiing at 80% and I went on the world stage and it was okay, it was good, but it, it wasn't my very best. And I had this terrible kind of vicious circle of staying in this bubble of, of underperforming and knowing that I was choosing to do it because I had this fear of failure. So many people were investing in my career financially and emotionally and I just, it was just so much expectations and, and I was really fast in training um and it implied that I was choking in races which I is the worst word in the English language um and I it was brutal because I knew that I was choosing to be this way I was choosing to be safe and ski in my comfort zone and actually that's something we're seeing quite a lot in the pandemic coming out of it we all want to be safe no one's risking anything anymore and and I learnt um, in an incredible fashion, how how to risk and how important it was for me to risk. And if a ski racer can risk and you're skiing 90 miles an hour, um, then most people can go out there and, and push themselves a little bit because then that's the only way of of knowing how incredible you really are is 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 get, gaining personal growth from making mistakes. And, and and how you make mistakes, you just got to look back and learn from them. And I live by this life motto that. I never lose. Either I win or I learn. And um, I crashed a lot. I broke a lot of bones in my body. I fought really hard to keep coming back, especially for my fourth Winter Olympic Games. I broke my leg three times in the four years preceding it. But it was um, it was an incredible achievement just to be there. And it was hard because my whole career I wanted to win. And that last Olympics, I knew that I was I was going there and, and I couldn't win. I had this massive metal 
rod in my right leg. I was definitely skiing and compensating, but I believed that I could still go there and be my best. And it took a lot of guts to do that. And I just think um, resilience is, is amazing. You, you grow through resilience because you gain resilience when you make mistakes. When you make mistakes in sport, you're talking broken bones. I broke my neck at 11. I broke my leg, compounded fib. The bones actually went through my ski boot. And um, and I look back and, and those are the, the the defining moments of my career. It wasn't when I won. You don't learn much when you win and succeed. You learn when you're at rock bottom and you look back and you realize that you've pulled yourself back before. You, you've gone on this roller coaster of life before and you know that if you're at the bottom, the only way is up. And what do you mean by that 20 percent? You said you were you were you were only giving 80 percent. I mean, how did you evaluate that for a start? And or is that just a, a, a sense or a feeling? Yeah, it's a sense. I'm, I'm quite intuitive. Um, and I was going, I was, I was pushing out that start gate and I was charging, but I was never on my limit. I never crashed. So for eight years, I, I didn't have an injury. I was at my healthiest. I, I was finishing races the whole time and skiing's a brutal sport and one millimeter left or right, or one millimeter with your body weight inside and you fall. So we, we should fall all the time when we ski, because that's how, you know, you're pushing your limit and, and you're, and you're getting better. Um, but I didn't do that. I was I skied safely. I remember my mum always used to say when she came to the Olympics, she wouldn't be able to watch me. And she'd be like, is she safe? Is she safe? And everyone would be like, she doesn't want to be safe. She wants to be fast. So it's just, um, you know, it's a different way of looking at it. But it's definitely something that I, I, I realised in hindsight when I looked back on my career and I realised I could have been a World Cup winner. But I was the one. I had the talent. Um, but mentally, I, I wasn't giving it my all. So without wishing to take you to a, a, a place which must be quite troubling even now to look back on it, when you have those really serious crashes and then obviously you then have that period of, of rehabilitation both mentally and physically, how, do you, you know, how did you deal with that? Was, was anybody helping you saying this is how you deal with these situations or did that all come from a kind of inner steel of your own? I mean, the thing with bone breaks and injury is you know that you will physically heal. Like, it's for granted. You you might have a support team around you, a physio and doctors and medical staff, and they will help you get back. But you can't control the, the mental performance as easily. It's really tough. And, and you have so much focus on healing physically when you're hurt that sometimes I got back to the snow and I clicked my ski boots on and, that, and I suddenly thought, oh, my God, what am I doing? It was the first time, you know, my process goal when I get injured is get back on snow. And then suddenly you're in the arena and you haven't thought about how your brain is going to react because the last time you skied, you crashed. So I think it's it's really imperative that you, you keep retraining that all the way along. I did loads of visualizations every time I got injured. I kept trying to bring my brain back into the sport. I thought about the tracks and the turns and the jumps um, and yes, I, I had help along the way, but actually I really believe that you've got to learn to help yourself. Um, when I came back from injury during the latter part of my career, I definitely used uh, the art of imitation. I looked over and I thought, right, I am really nervous. You know, the everything, the odds are stacked against me and I'm here and fear is blocking me. So I wasn't Shemi anymore. Every time I came out from injury, I thought, right, I'm going to be Lindsay Vonn today. Now, Lindsay Vonn was one of the best downhill ski racers of all time and she was incredible at coming back from injury. Every time she came back, she skied with the confidence of someone who was winning races, not someone who just spent a year not skiing. 
so I, I channeled her. I, I, I acted like her. I um, thought how she did. I warmed up how she did. I didn't tell her this. We're friends, which is quite weird. And I didn't tell her this the whole time I was doing it. But every time I came back, I, I channeled someone else and someone who was at the top of their game. And that art of imitation, what it does is it, it, it gives you this, you like cheat confidence. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going into an interview when you haven't interviewed for ages and going, okay, what would someone who knows they're going to get this job act like, be like, talk like? Um, and that's what I, I do it all the time. I, I still get nervous today. I, I do a lot of things that that I feel the fear with. Um, but always I think, what would the world's best do? How would they feel? Um, how would they prepare? And, 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 and people think that's that's wrong because you're acting. But it's not because actually just just that belief in yourself grows and grows and grows. And then you no longer have to be that person anymore. You can bring it in and be yourself. But you realize that you've got all this confidence. Is is resilience something that is stronger? I and mean, it's a difficult one for you to answer, but just in opinion, is, is resilience stronger in athletes, particularly those that kind of risk their life when they're doing their sport is that stronger in them than other people that you've had you know that you know that may be close to you uh, what, what what's your opinion on that is that is that something which has to be there in a successful athlete I mean we have a lot of experiences of of tough times um, athletes because there's a lot of injury there's bad injuries you're being helicoptered away I broke my neck when I was 11 and most people think that that's doom and gloom and, and then it's over. And all I thought about was coming back to the sport. So you have a lot of time to reflect and believe in yourself because you have to. You know, the one person who has to back you is yourself. Um, I mean, I remember when my mum passed away when I was 23, I uh, I was ready to ski again really afterwards, like soon afterwards I was ready. I knew that that's what she would have wanted. And a lot of people tried to protect me because this is something huge for young people to go through but I I had that not steely determination I just I let myself I let myself grieve I let myself heal um you're very self-aware when you're an athlete every day you wake up and you fill out all these forms how am I feeling how did I sleep what's my pain like you know you have an unbelievable knowledge of, of your body and yourself um which most people don't have so I think with that you have the honesty to say, right, today is a tough day. Um, how am I going to bring my best out today when I'm feeling like this, when I'm feeling at rock bottom? And I think because you can be honest and answering the questions, most people think they're not allowed to be weak or vulnerable. Um, and I learned actually that being honest with that vulnerability helped me um, a lot during my career, especially when I was facing adversity. So I think, um, I, don't, I don't know if we're better at doing it than anyone else or we have a higher level of resilience but we we go to dark places quite often and uh and so you learn the experience of how to get out of them you said something in one of the videos i watched you said that, that you had a, a close friend who's a uh, a musician and you said you got you know you could see similarities between musicians and athletes so where where it went such an interesting point because you know i'm um, keen on music and so on. What, what, what's, wh wh where is the similarity, if you like? So yeah, a friend of mine's um, an opera singer. Um, and I have another friend, a really good friend who has his own band. And we all grew up in a, a similar place. And I just saw that they would go out and they would train, they would rehearse, and then they would perform. 
and then they would go and travel. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really interesting because it's the same intention. You have got to be your best. I mean, for me, it's a two minute race, but for them, it's an hour set and they have to perform. They have to get themselves physically, mentally ready to go out there and, and, and sport is entertainment as well. And to go out there and, and show off their improvements, their personal growth. And obviously in skiing, it's very easy because we've got a clock and we've got stats everywhere. Whereas, you know, in, in performance wise, it's more difficult because it's subjective and everyone always has an opinion on you. But it was a really similar mindset that I had with with these friends who are musicians because we had the same fears, we had the same struggles, we had the same focus on training and delivering and travel. And it was quite funny because I'd never really thought like that before. Plus, we could always meet for Tuesday lunchtime. And uh, most people can't in normal nine to fives can't meet up every Tuesday lunchtime. It's like, okay, we've got the Tuesday club. Yeah, very good. I suppose also that kind of pursuit of excellence and looking at that detail, isn't it? That um, often musicians and athletes, and I I know you're um, brand ambassador for Stratium, which is obviously a performance software. Moving on to the sort of performance and obviously, you know, that resilience is about, is, is essential for that high performance. Um, there's a lot of use in, of data, isn't there, in, in kind of modern sport? And I know that you, you also coach business people and so on. So how does that translate? What, what you've learned from looking at those data, that management of those small things, what, how, how does that relate to, to business, would you say? I mean, I think life is about ticking every box. You, you have to uncover every stone in the kind of circle of performance in order to be your very best. I always talk about a cog and you've got this cog and every cog has a different attribute to your life or a skill set. And if one of those cogs is weak, then the rest of it will not run as efficiently. Um, and sport is all about marginal gains. I mean, we're talking skiing hundredths of a second. So you've got to have data in every part of your life because you've got to have knowledge and stats to back up where you're good where there's an opportunity for improvement and where, you know, right now is okay. This, this area you can put to the side because this, this would have a bigger impact focusing on this area. So d data was imperative and, and people don't realize that because it's quite a, a free flowing sport being a downhiller. You've got to do loads of loads of training, data analysis, time in the wind tunnel to get your performance right, uh, equipment testing, Every ski you ski on has a hundred hours of, of labor that goes into it before you ski to make it fast. And yet you get in that start gate and you just have to flow. You can't think about any of that. Because if you think about that, you're, you, you're distracted. So it, it's a really interesting uh, mindset, but to have confidence in the start gate, you have to have data to support that you have done everything you can do and turned every stone over and gone, right, I'm ready. And is that, you know, when you look at that data, you know, when you've been through, going back to the resilience, when you've been going through difficult times, does management of that data presumably helps you to overcome issues or well, obviously come back if you've had injuries and so on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, I always remember that um, before the first race of the season in Solden, I would be so nervous and I could never sleep the night before. And I used to have this sleep monitor. And I'd wake up in the morning going, oh, my gosh, I was awake all night. And this sleep monitor would tell me that actually my my level of deep sleep, I hit my targets and I was fine. So I would be waking up panicking, going, I can't race today. I've not done this, this, this. And this little uh, armband would say, hey, you're ready. You're good. 
And even if you don't feel that, if you see the stats that support that you're at your best level, you will, you know, have confidence in yourself more than, you know, just on feeling. Feeling can be amazing. I'm a very feeling-based athlete um, until things go wrong. And when things go wrong, I needed stats to give me the confidence that I was ready to be back. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's interesting on the sleep, isn't it? Because we must have all experienced that where you have something really important tomorrow. Uh, many of the people who might be listening or, or watching this um, might be people who are, you mentioned interviews earlier, they might be going for a really important interview or whatever. And and then you kind of go to bed and you think, I can't get to sleep. And you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I've had a terrible night's sleep. But you've just proven very often you, you, you perhaps haven't. Um, it's just that maybe the adrenaline starts running, I guess, and, and uh, makes makes you think that you haven't. But yeah, going back to that um, that that um, marginal gains thing, it it is a, f a fascinating area. And again, when I'm looking at my own coaching that I do for people on careers and and going for interviews specifically, I think it's you know those marginal gains can make the difference between getting the career that you want and not. So if you attend to all of those things and make sure that you're properly prepared that you you know what you're talking about and you're feeling confident and you've practiced then those all of those things all add up to maybe making you better than the other person you're competing because life's a competition isn't it yeah i mean if you can improve your cog efficiency each area by like a two percent you will have a huge maximum benefit and even if you're thinking okay i've done a, a slight effort on here and here and here and here Actually, them working all together, you won't realize how much impact you've made on your your self improvement. But it, it's 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 huge. It's it's massive. And sometimes we think little things don't matter, um, but they really do. What is it? Every little helps. I don't want to <laughs> quote. Is it Tesco's? Or maybe we should get a bit of sponsorship in here from that organization. But yeah, it, it it's it's true, isn't it? Certainly in terms of 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 preparedness and and uh, and, and training those little marginal gains all add up and uh, and and that that is uh, is definitely i think something which has the, the business world has kind of learned from sport because i think it was wasn't it one of the, the trainers in cycling who who really focused on these tiny areas of improvement um uh, uh, and it all added up to you know huge overall lots of gold medals yeah, absolutely which which is which yeah. is great um so we when we were speaking offline we were we were talking a little bit about fear and i i was i was thinking about that when you were saying how nervous you were sometimes and uh, and some and those of us that you know do sports in a very amateur way you know the amateur end of what you do because i'm a keen skier myself but you 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 know, one is tempted to think that people like yourself clearly have a different fear index to the rest of us. Um, and uh, but but tell us a little bit about that side of things, because fear to some extent can be a positive and it can also be a negative, can't it? And it also is related again to resilience. But tell us a little bit about how you have dealt with that. That would be fascinating for the listener. So well, f fear will only impede your performance if you're scared by it. Um, fear is something that we all feel. And like you said, a lot of people think that I'm a, 
you know, a bit indestructible that I don't overthink things because of what I've done and the sport that I've chosen. But I, I, I had lots of fear. I was always scared. It's natural to be scared. You're going 90 miles an hour down a mountain. It's ice. It's dangerous. Um, I think you should be scared. You should have respect for the process, uh, the mountains and the danger. Um, but if you are honest with how you're feeling with fear, then you can address it. Um, I always talk about the fear bubble. And actually, Ant Middleton, um, his book, he talks quite a lot about this as well. And I had the same strategy with fear. Um, I tried not to overthink fear. But then as I got before the start gate, I got in that fear bubble. I addressed it. I said, right, I am feeling this way. It's normal. Every other athlete in the start is feeling this way. But these are the reasons why I can step out this fear bubble and race down this hill. And I looked at the experiences I had, um, the passion I have, the fact that I love skiing more than anything else in the world, which is why I was able to come back from all of my injuries. I didn't do it because it was a, a, a work. I did it because it was my passion um, and how fortunate I was to be there, you know. And so I think that this this big issue with fear is is terrible. We see fear as a dirty word almost in our society, especially men. Um, I mentor a lot of athletes, and when I see young boys are, 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 are blocked by fear and nerves, I can see it. I can see it. I can, I say to them, right, let's let's talk about what you're feeling, and they're like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, because they think that it's not appropriate to feel that way. Um, and you should be scared. If you're not scared, then you're not doing something worthwhile. You're not pushing yourself. If you're always flippant and relaxed, then you're living a life that's too easy. You should be able to push yourself. If you push yourself out of your comfort zone, of course you're going to be scared. And there is nothing wrong with that. It's just about how you address that fear, how you don't let it overtake you. You address it, you respect it, and you move forward. Mm, that's great. Well, that, that, and that is great advice, um, particularly from somebody, anybody that's listening to this or, or watching this, um, you know, knowing what you've done and what you've overcome, then I, that's that superb advice. That, in fact, fear is is something which we kind of need to respect, but also, you know, just accept. It's a it's a human a human emotion, I guess. So that's been great, uh, Shemi. Thank you so much. And anything, you know, just going back to that that resilience piece which I say is so important for a lot of the people that will be uh, listening to this you know if you've got any particular things that you think are really really important that whatever they take away from this in terms of 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 dealing with setbacks and coming back at life and and, and really making something of it what would you say those things were I think share, share your fears, talk to people. Um, when we are at rock bottom, we often feel like we're the only ones at rock bottom. And you can put on a face paint and go outside and no one, you'll walk down the street and no one will know what you're going through. And if you don't talk to people about how you're feeling, then it's really hard to help yourself. Um, and unfortunately, we are a society where we brag on social media when things are great. We will share all the fantastic things that we're doing, how we're feeling, how we're winning on life and social media. And yet when things get really tough, uh, we hide that away. We push it under the carpet. We think that we can handle it alone. And that is the time where you need to let people in. Let people help you. It doesn't have to be your inner circle, your family, your friends. You know, maybe it's a colleague or a mentor or 
you know, I'm that person on the tube who tries to make eye contact with everyone because I think it's really important to to tell our stories. And that's why I love working in TV now and, and interviewing people because sometimes people say things that you never expect. You know, these people who are leaders at what they do in the world have made unbelievable mistakes in order to get there. And I think it's really powerful, all of us talking about tough times, times where we actually don't believe that we can get back up again. We can't ride that roller coaster up. And actually, if we all talk about it, we will all get the belief that someone else has been there and someone out there can help you um, to help you help yourself. At the end of the day, you have got to pick yourself out of that dark time. But there are a lot of people who can who can give you the buzzwords, tell you the right things to help you. Yeah, that's great. And and thank you. And, and the it fits in very well with a couple of the previous podcasts that we've done, one on change management with uh, Holger Ratgeber, who's a best-selling author on change management. And he, he said a very similar thing about, you know, dealing with change is, uh, you know, you, you, you need to get other people around you to help you deal with that situation, with that change and pick yourself up. And, uh, and, and then one of the other uh, podcasts was, um, uh, with uh, Jeff Hayden and he was talking about you know the the interesting aspect about some of the famous people that he'd interviewed and how the fact that you know they, they these these famous people are essentially like everyone else they're like all of us they have the same challenges and the same things to deal with and you know you can be a you know a winter olympian and you've still got you know You've got different challenges, but you've still got a lot of the same mental challenges to overcome. And, and, and that's been wonderful. The process, the process of overcoming fear and failure is the same for everyone, because like you said, it's all it's all relative. You know, yes, my fear levels might be a lot higher than other people, but I still go to them. Mm. You know, other you people just might push be them to a level going a lot, lot further than, than, than exactly. But you then you then get comfortable with that level. So then you can push yourself to another level and you just keep climbing up and you realize that you know you've climbed up that ladder without realizing it great superb shemi thank you so much and your busy schedule i'm i'm, I'm so grateful that you've uh, you found time for us today and uh, it's been really enlightening very inspiring and and you are you are an inspiration um, to many people who particularly follow the sport but even for those people who don't have any interest in skiing i'm sure that they will have found um, all of your uh, bits of wisdom there really really inspiring and, and interesting and very very relatable to to other areas so so thank you again and uh, I, I hope we have an opportunity to speak again in the future thank you thank you for listening to this podcast our guest this time was winter olympian and bbc broadcaster shemi orcott in discussion with me nigel job Shemi can be followed on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn and of course seen on BBC, Ski Sunday and YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and please check out others in the series. Have a great day.